Welcome to Classic 4x4, the podcast for and by classic four-wheel drive enthusiasts, collectors, and restorers. I'm your host, Chris Piccone, and you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Classic4x4podcast, and you can follow my trials, tribulations, and antics on collecting and, and restoring classic four-wheel drives at Overland by the Sea. Today we have not only a legendary musician, uh, but also a collector, enthusiast, and restorer of early uh, international harvesters. The legend, the one, and the only Eric Tessimer. What's up, Eric? How's it going, man? Good to be here. Yeah, thank you for uh, joining us today. So uh, for all of our listeners, uh, if you first off need to follow Eric on Instagram at Bare Knuckle Binder, uh, but most importantly, you need to download his music and listen to it to his music uh his band's name is go figure eric tesmer it's a huge ego trip but the thing was i was getting lost in public a lot so it helped me you know it's like it works right find a map to my collars (laughs) i love it man so uh follow eric uh check out his instagram his youtube um but eric and i actually have a, a pretty funny story uh we've been following each other for for years on instagram checking out each other's uh collections and when i started the podcast i was like man i, I want some really fun and interesting international harvester guys uh so the first person i reached out to was eric and and he's like dude I'm going to do another one of my insane, you know, find a truck that hasn't been running for 20 years, go out, get it running and drive it back to Austin, Texas road trips. He goes, so let's talk after that. But beforehand, um, you got to talk to Dan Hayes. Uh, so uh, for those of you that listen to uh, Dan Hayes uh, from the Binder Boneyard, his um uh, his episode of the Classic 4x4 podcast, that all came to fruition uh, because the one and only Eric Tesmer was the one that referred him to me. So uh, now we're going to continue talking about uh, harvesters uh, with Eric himself. Yeah. Glad to be here, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So uh, we're going to talk about like your insane road trips, uh, you know, your music um, and the types of harvester light trucks that that you're into, because you really like, you know, you you know, we talk about Dan Hayes at Binder Boneyard and he really focuses from like 1960, like the early 60s to 1981. Um, right. You really are into the early stuff, like the OG, like 1937 and 1962s, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, like the meaty part of the curve, you know, like I on my Instagram, it says 40 to 60. Um, I got a lot of, um, I mean, I, I would say also it's it's not just light line, man. I, I really into medium duty stuff too, um, which is, but four wheel drive. Like I don't, I don't really mess with like, straight trucks you know like just commercial stuff but yeah i mean that's the kind of thing that i'm I'm passionate about i grew up we had a a 57 international a124 by four and we had that just because my dad needed a cheap truck was four-wheel drive that he could go we heated our house with wood so he could you know go out into the woods and cut down trees you know and heat our house and you know where i grew up in wisconsin and, you know, we'd get blizzards and stuff like snow half the year and like, you know, any other truck couldn't make it through. So we just randomly had this truck that I fell in love with when I was like just a little kid. Um, and so, you know, and I grew up in a, a valley where, uh, you know, people were still farming with old international farm equipment, you know, old farm all M's and stuff. Uh, I actually used to drive a farm all M to school about here. I think it was cool. over 10 miles. You know, um, so yeah, I mean, I just, yeah, that, that era of 40 to, to 60, I'd say really is like hones it in the first, uh, international that I bought that wasn't, you know, like beyond just our normal family truck was a, a 45 M five H six, uh, Marine Corps six by six. And so I just, is that your first car? It was my first car. I bought it the day after I turned sixteen. Was it six by six? Dude, uh-huh. you got to We got to go. Let's let's go further down the rabbit hole on this one, man. Okay. Uh, so, all right. So further down the rabbit hole on that, my I have an uncle that lives in northern Minnesota, uh, and I you know throw a rock and hit a Canadian northern Minnesota, you know, way up there, and he has a plow truck which is a fifty six power wagon 
you know, the old school military surplus body, you know, power wagon. Yeah. And I mean, and Mrs. Uncle, like I love him to death. He's crazy. Like he, he'd take this thing down uh, and it's got this giant snow plow that's got like cast steel wheels on it and stuff that like, it's got a hydraulic lift and stuff, but it's got like, I mean, it's just like the most heavy. I mean, the thing's got to weigh about like almost as much as the truck itself. And he'd wait till like winter and they're the, you know, everyone lives by a lake in Minnesota. And so he'd wait until winter and then the, they get ice on the lake and he'd take this power wagon down with this heavy plow bed full of timbers and plow a, a skating rink on his lake. I was just like, man, like I would, you know, you always see, you know, pictures of cars going through the ice and stuff. And this guy's out there with a power wagon loaded to the gills <laughs> with this giant, like cast iron plow. Anyway, I love that power wagon. If there was a truck that I could have other than an international, probably an old school power wagon, but, uh, Around that time, I was like, you know, the tween age or whatever. Uh, and I was riding dirt bikes a lot with my dad and my uncle. And my dad and I were riding dirt bikes on some land in, in southwestern Wisconsin where I grew up. And we came upon this six by six sitting in a hedgerow behind like a construction company, had this old link belt crane on the back. And I was like, this is an international, but it looks like a power wagon but it's like three times as big. Like I need this. And of course my dad's like, God, it's the last thing I need this kid dragging home. <laughs> but you know, I stayed on it for like two years and like, I, I got a hold of the guy and he was like, yeah, I'll sell it to you, you know, 400 bucks. And he ended up bringing it to me, uh, which was like 45 minutes away. He had this giant tow truck, you know, he owned the international dealership in this little town that it was at. And I found out later that he had learned to drive in this truck when he was a kid. No way. And so he got there and he found out that I worked all summer long to get the money to buy this truck. And like, uh, I worked on a dairy farm and agricultural minimum wage, I think at that point was like $2 an hour or something like yeah, agricultural right. minimum wage is like rock bottom, you know, because, you know, they think of like families, you know, having to, you know, whatever, but. So he found out I was working on a dairy farm all summer. He's like, all right, 300 bucks, you know? So he gave me a hundred bucks back. So I had this truck and I had to figure out how to fix it. You know, like this is pretty much pre-internet or like very early internet days. So, but yeah, I got this thing the day after it turned 16, man. It was, <laughs> it's crazy. And did, did you keep the crane on it? Like, no, I, the guy was like, do you want the crane? I was like, no, I don't need the crane. I was like, you can, you know, take that off if you want. He's like, yeah, we'll just take it off and scrap it and whatever. But I mean, it was all destroyed. And the cab of the truck was crushed in from the crane dropping on it. I mean, but he started telling me the history of this truck and some, they had bought it. His dad, I think, had bought it and uh, his dad and uncle, if I remember correctly, this was a long time ago. Um, his dad and uncle bought it at a military auction at Fort McCoy, Wisconsin. And, and it's interesting that truck like that was there because those, the internationals were, uh, mostly under contract to the Navy and the Marines. And so they were mostly on the West coast and in the Pacific during world war II. So having it at an army place, that means post war it was sold to the army. I mean, a lot of Jedi level nerd stuff on internationals, but um, this thing, apparently they bought it with a well drilling rig on the back of it. They drove it home. And on the way home, they stopped in a small town of Ontario, Wisconsin. They drilled all the wells, paid off the truck, got it home, cut the well drilling rig off it, scrapped that, put a crane on it, and then used it for road construction until I think the year before I was born. No way. Crazy. And then it sat. How long did it sit? Then it sat for it sat 17 for years. 17 after that. years. Yeah. yeah. And so when I got it, uh, and the thing was, it had, they finally parked it because of brake issues. Mm -hmm. The motor had been rebuilt, I believe, two years before they parked it. But like they had a, a brake problem. They couldn't get it figured out and they just parked it. So, so you come along, you get this thing running, and then you drive a six by six to school yeah. every day. No, I didn't drive the six by six to school. The six by six never made it to school, but the six by six until actually, I'd say maybe five or six years ago, never really did have brakes. Oh. And like when I, I mean, I got it running 
I'd drive it all up and down my valley, like, and because it didn't have brakes, like I had to learn how to double clutch, all this stuff. So that stuff all came in handy because only one of my trucks has synchros, you know? And like, I drive in the cities with, you know, unsynchronized gears, having to double clutch everything. It's like pretty second nature by now, but like I'd either have to double clutch downshift, shut it off in gear, or just aim for something cheap. Yeah. So we had a bunch of small trees and hay bales and stuff. You can run it into like, you're not going to hurt it, but yeah, it's a beast. That's super cool. So what did you actually drive to high school? Uh, I drove my uh, 57, my a 120 four by four, quite a bit. Uh, I drove my tractor, the farm all M. Uh, and that was pretty funny because they, I remember when I did that, they were like, this kid's all the hicks were like, this kid's on drugs. I mean, I, we were all hicks. I mean, where were we yeah. from, but like all the, all the Aggies were like, Oh man, this kid's on drugs. I was like, and now at my, my high school, they have drive your tractor to school day. And it's like, everyone's like, thinks it's so cool. But if you go back in my high school yearbook, there's like all these cars and then it's just giant farm all in. Dude, this is some Wisconsin stuff right here. It's like, I gotta remember, I'm from New Jersey. This is some wild stuff yeah, to me, I mean, man. <laughs> well, I think, I think that's kind of where it all started, where I was like, you know, I just kind of like realized I wasn't afraid to do that wild stuff, you know? Or, I mean, it, I guess it doesn't seem that wild to me. I'm like, it's like, it seems like a lot of fun, you know? Yeah, it definitely seems like a lot of fun. Like, if you listen to the episode with uh, the iconic uh, Jeep Dodge and SRT design manager, um, Chris Piscatelli, who I went to high school with. We actually talk about our high school. Uh, oh, really? Our, yeah, Dude, we talked one episode I haven't heard yet. Oh, it's good, man. It's really good. I mean, uh, his team built the the now Wrangler JT. Like, he's done some really, really cool stuff. And he's his team is now going to build the future of Dodge Muscle Cars, too. Uh, That's so wild. Him and I have, just happened to go to high school together, right? So, That's wild. Um, yeah, it's crazy how, you know, I get, like, legendary musicians and, like, uh, <laughs> that, I, that I get to have on the podcast and, and iconic uh, automotive designers. But we talk on that on that episode. We actually talk about uh, – uh, our um, our high school parking lot and him and I had like the two biggest beaters like we had Porsches, Range Rovers, Hummers, H ones, BMWs. Like I drove like a, a Wrangler YJ and he drove like a I forget what it was like a Daytona with T tops or something. Nice. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh man, slumming it, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> you're from obviously you're from Wisconsin. How did you end up down in Austin, Texas? I ended up in Austin because of music. Uh, I grew up, you know, like I said, like out in, in Dairy Lane, Wisconsin. And uh, really where I grew up, it's really hilly. And why that matters is that um, we didn't get shit for uh, TV stations. Mm -hmm. And uh, like the one station we got was PBS. And I saw, you know, Austin City Limits. I saw all these people on Austin City Limits. And then like one day I saw Steve Ray Vaughan. I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy, you know. And so, like, really, I was pretty sheltered. I mean, my, my parents definitely didn't shelter us. Like, they, you know, let us pursue all our interests and all that stuff. But uh, when I graduated high school, man, I just packed up my truck and moved to Austin, man. Just been That's here ever cool. since. So what, what truck did you pack up and, and head to Austin? At that talk? time, I was, I was trying to pack up the binder, the 57. My dad's like, there's no way you're taking the binder to to texas you know like you you're not taking that to a city you know i don't think it's going to make it past des moines and uh so i ended up i had to buy a, i had some nice little nissan pickup with a topper and like as soon as i i could i got rid of that truck i mean it was really dependable then and, and that was just something i couldn't jive with you know <laughs> i needed something that leaked more oil but I, I get it, man. I get it. So uh, that's too cool. So you're in Austin. You're a working musician, a successful musician, but you have this passion for early International Harvester light trucks and, and medium duty trucks. Uh, and uh, you do probably one of the neatest things I've ever seen anybody do is you'll find these things. And all corners of the country that have been sitting for years and years and years, you'll go out there with your tool roll and you'll get these things running. These things, some of these things haven't run in, in decades. Yeah. And you'll drive them back to Austin, which is yeah. just epic. So you just finished one where I think you picked up a Coleman, right? What was the, the yeah? It's up? A, so, um, it's in the early 
1900s, there was a guy named Harley Holmes. And it was when, I mean, the really interesting thing to me about like early automotive stuff is that it was so wide open. There was like no convention to conform to. And so any idea could be a good idea. And so, um, you know, we're just so used to like Dana axles and Eaton axles, you know, just like that, that, you know, okay, this is how, you know, the CV joint works or the knuckle, you know, like that's how it all. And at that point, they were all trying to figure out like a good way to make a four wheel drive vehicle. So I'm, I'm going to take the long way around this, but it's like, we're going to have to get there sooner or later with a yeah, Coleman. Of you know? It's super cool though. Um, and so what, uh, and I'm not a Coleman expert. There's a guy named Craig Trout who's writing a book about Coleman's and his dad worked in the Coleman offices. Like, And so I've talked to him several times in the process of this whole project. But um, the, so Harley Holmes made this four-wheel drive or this steerable drive axle uh, because there's Coleman tugs, they're called, that they're used in like airports and stuff. And they make mm-hmm. great like snowplow trucks. And they're like front and rear wheels are, are turnable, but it's a four wheel drive. And basically what it is, it's a solid axle shaft coming out of the differential. So, oh, okay. and so like you have the solid axle shaft and it comes into a yoke and there's a pins on each end of that yoke and a ring. So like that ring rides inside just the inside perimeter of the hub. And so basically it's a solid axle shaft and it looks like it's on the end of a gyroscope. So, and that allows the, the, the wheel to turn. Mm-hmm. And so that, that power ring not only drives the wheel, but like if you, let's say, like on my Coleman, there's a, uh, the, because of the transfer case it has, it, you can disconnect, the, you can disengage the front axle. Mm-hmm. Not all Coleman's, you can do that. Sometimes they're just all wheel drive all the time. Yep. Um, but and so that way it's, you know, it's going to have power going to it, but I can, those pins are allowing it to, you know, compensate, make slight compensations when you're steering the wheel. But so what the truck is, it's a 1952 international L122, which means an L120 would be a three quarter ton. And if you add an L121, they add a few more leaves, you know, like this is up the weight rating a little bit. So it's like a beefed up three quarter ton with a Coleman four wheel drive conversion. And as far as I have been able to find out, this is the only one that was ever made. Wow. So, so where did you find it? Like, all right. And so how this, did you find it? All right. So this is, this is, this is interesting because I'm, I kind of, you know, we all have that love hate relationship with Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, don't care what you ate. We don't care what your beef with your family is, you know, but give us our marketplace, give us our, you know, our, our groups, you know, that like people are trading parts. That's all I care anymore. I'm the same boat, man. Like, I don't, I don't care about anything about Facebook, but like find me some deals on marketplace, whatever. So, um, I have a a good buddy, Jeff Fowler, who is, um, he and I are are huge into, um, mid fifties, to early 60s international medium duty four wheel drives. And if you're into them, it's the 140, 160 series they made. And they made those actually, it's like a one ton and I think one and a half or one and a quarter ton trucks. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, they actually made them before they made a three quarter ton in house uh, four wheel drive. So, and they, I mean, they're just beastly trucks. So he, he hit me up in December of 2020 and uh, he's like, Hey man, I know you've been kind of looking for one of these, uh, but there's this S one sixty four by four. Somebody posted one. It's in a junkyard in Northern California. Again, I live in central Texas. That's a long way away. You know, like I, I, I drive around in a van for my living, you know, and that's a long way away, you know, not making any bones about how far away that is. I'm like, all right, well, all right, well, let me look at it. And I was like, man, and I see this old CDF brush truck sitting there looking all dilapidated. And then there's a, a picture of a, I think it was like a 75 Scout. Uh, and then, you know, it's whatever. And it was just a 
post on a international harvester Facebook group. And the guy said, anybody in Northern California looking for a project. And then there was a green three quarter ton, like with no wheels, just sitting on the ground. And I was like, you know, I, I was looking, I was like, wait, that's, is that a Coleman axle on that? Yeah. And the thing was like, I was into the red truck. I was into the fire truck because that mm-hmm. was an S164 by four. And like, I could tell exactly what it would be like once I got my hands on it. I was like, this thing is going to be a showstopper. I mean, it's going to be a killer. I love this truck already. And so, I mean, I needed another truck at that point. Like I was, I'm a musician. Like this was December of the year of COVID, you know, this yeah. was, you know, I didn't have, like I, I thought to myself, man, I don't have money to throw around on a truck right now, especially one that's like two thousand miles away. Like, and not to mention, it's as big as my house. Yeah. So I was like, end of the, by the end of the day, I was riding on the phone with a guy. It's like, of course, I, I couldn't, I couldn't resist it. Can't so, resist. Yeah, it's like just let it go. Let's see what happens. I mean, it's not going to hurt to talk to him, right? So I ended up on the phone with him. I ended up buying a plane ticket to go up there and then COVID started kicking up again, really strong California. And everyone in California is like, Hey man, it's getting weird here. And so I was like, well, if I fly in, I don't know how weird it's going to be. in Cal- I mean, I, I didn't know how weird it was in California. Like you hear all these different things. It's like, I didn't know if I'd be able to fly home. So my idea was to go up there, look at it, buy it if it was reasonable uh and then get like the tires like get the wheels off it and get the brake parts off of it so i could rebuild them at home and like put them on a pallet and ship it to myself mm-hmm. so what i ended up doing was canceling my plane ticket just got in the band van and just drove up there just like it's like 28 hours or something straight just drove straight up there got to this junkyard met the dudes uh and it was a situation where we always hear about it. You know, if you're into vintage vehicles, you always hear the situation where it's an old man has a lot of stuff. He stuffs a property full of vintage vehicles. Everything's worth a million dollars. If you want to buy something, he'll never get rid of anything, yep. you know, and then he passes away and his family is like, what do we do with this stuff? You know? And so they were going to crush everything just like clean the place up. And like, I went up there. I mean, I don't blame him for, thinking that man i mean like there's old like mobile homes and like not mobile homes but like travel trailers yeah but i mean like like horror story level travel trailers (laughs) like the kinds like you like i'm not going anywhere near that thing bad things have happened in there yeah and like i don't want worse things to happen you know so um i got there they showed me the truck i was like you know they didn't really know what it was uh, I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not one of those guys who's like, well, you don't know what it is. I'm going to like, take this away from you sort of thing. So I told him what everything was. Um, and with the fire truck, you know, the S160 that, you know, everyone who follows me knows it's named Della. Mm-hmm. Uh, Della, I was like, this truck, like, yeah, I want it. You know, it doesn't make any sense, but I want it. So I told him what it was. I told him what I could afford to pay for it. And we agreed on a price and that was it. And then they're like, you interested in anything else? I was like, well, do you have any other international four by fours from the fifties? And they're like, well, there's one down in the woods behind the house. I was like, that sounds exactly like the scenario that I want to check <laughs> That's out. That's right up my alley. Yeah, it's like, dude, <laughs> like there's no backing out now. Let's go see this thing. Does so, it have a crane on it by any chance? <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, no. So we get down there. We go down, we had to go down this, uh, this road. It's not in the main junkyard. And, um, we go down this, this road, it's probably about a mile away. You know, like if you, as a crow flies, it's maybe three quarters, half a mile, whatever, but it's like, it, it's up in that area. That's like around grass Valley. It's in the Sierra foothills. So like, mm-hmm. I like to say if California had like Ozarks, like this is it, you know, yep. like, so we get in back between in between like Sacramento and Tahoe, right? Yeah, it, yeah. it's north of Tahoe, so yeah. it's north of I eighty. So yep. all up there. So, um, you know, we're walking through the second junkyard. It's like just crazy amounts of stuff everywhere. You know, it's like what is? I mean, old F one hundreds and stuff, and there's like one of those old Chevy tow trucks that I'm swear to God, 
like one of my pet peeves is people tell me my trucks look like Mater. <laughs> like, and it's not like kids. Like, you know, if a kid says it looks like Mater, it's like, cool. But like, like grown ass men. <laughs> like, oh, this is like Mater. And like, grow up, you know, like, but you know, it, this thing literally the patina, the colors, the random, everything on it, the toe bed, this thing look like Mater. The only difference is got a hood. Uh-huh. It's crazy. But anyway, we walk back in the most remote part of this yard behind a mound of dirt and with a tree kind of leaning on it. There's this three quarter ton international with a Coleman axle on it. I was like, you gotta be shitting me like this. What? Like this doesn't exist. Yeah. And so I got underneath it transfer case. It's got a Timken T32 with a Coleman plate on it. You know, like Coleman branded, like this was made as a unit, you know, this wasn't just put on there. So I told him what it was. It's like, you know, I'm buying the truck up in the lot up on top. Uh, I'll see what I can do. Cause at that point it's like, it just seemed like such a, a pipe dream to even approach this truck. Yeah. Like I didn't really know. I knew what Coleman's were. I knew roughly how they worked, but I didn't know. I had never worked on one. I'd never turned a wrench on one. I, I, you know, whatever. I don't have any, this is not my area of expertise, Yeah, you know, like the truck up the hill. I know every bolt that's on that truck and like, I can fix it if I have enough time. So what happened was I took a bunch of parts back for uh, the S160. I rebuilt them in Texas. I came back in April and I lived in that junkyard for about a month. No way. Yeah. In my van van, I brought my van up and like, you know, I didn't have power. They didn't have any power up there or anything. So like I had to, um, you know, I'd work when the sun came up and like, I'd go to bed when the sun went down and it was crazy because at that time, the, the top yard was, you know, it was full of cars. You know, there was like stacked three and four high and like a couple acres of it. And so at night I had to lock up all my tools in the van with me because tweakers would jump the fence to cut catalytic converters off of cars. No way. It was a trip, man. Like it was crazy. So that's wild. And like, you know, I'd get up and like, you know, I'd pull out the Yeti cooler and get like some, I brought like a big, uh, I stopped on the way out of town and grabbed Texas brisket. And like, I'd make myself brisket breakfast tacos every morning. And then I'd get to work on this truck. And so, um, the day that I pulled that truck out, of the yard they were starting to crush everything mm-hmm. like it just made it out nick of time uh but before i left i was like listen don't crush that coleman because i found out that uh the week or two before i got up there they were like they're crushing everything you know the only thing that's safe is your truck like mm-hmm. the s160 and so man i got on the horn i was like trying to call the the widow and and uh trying to call like her grandson who was again and finally got a hold of him and i was like listen dude do not crush that green truck that's down behind the house in the woods mm-hmm. i was like I'll, I'll buy it don't worry about it just make sure it's safe and finally it was like all right cool and but that's how close it was to this like you know unicorn of a truck being destroyed forever just right? history being gone like history oh, yeah. stopping and, you know, the thing is, it's an L series, which is like the early 50s and the line setting tickets, you know, the build sheets. Yeah. They were on a, a microfilm or whatever in the Wisconsin Historical Society, and they were destroyed by fire several years ago. So, like, if, you know, I wasn't able to get a line setting ticket, if the truck itself had been destroyed, there'd been no evidence that it ever existed. Existed, yeah. So, anyway, I drove the S160 home last summer. And I mean, that was a huge thing. And like, I went from having uh, like three or 400 Instagram followers to having several thousand, yeah. you know? And so, you know, when I, I decided at the start of this year, I was like, man, I got to go back for the, I got to go back for the Coleman, like this year, I got to get it. I got to get that thing safe, safely back in Austin, you know, in my driveway. And so in the early April, I went up there um, and my friend Jeff Fowler actually flew from Atlanta and he met me there because he's like, I got to see this thing like in person where it sits, you know, I got to be part of this. And there's also a, a, a guy who lives in Grass Valley who'd been following me now 
since I got home with Della and he was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to help you, you know, when you, you get up there. So, uh, he's on Instagram is, uh, GV army truck. Mm-hmm. Named Eddie. And so the three of us jacked this truck up, pulled both axles off of it and the transfer case. So I could rebuild them at home in Texas. And I'm telling you that Coleman axle. Oh, by the way, this truck, I mean, if people aren't aware of like me, I, I have to tell you that this truck doesn't, didn't have a motor. It didn't have a transmission. It didn't huh? have a hood. No, it didn't have any of that stuff. So how'd you get a run? Like I, I had, this is wild. There's in storage. And so mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, you know, and actually the motor that's in it is uh, the motor that was in my a 120 when I was a kid, because that truck finally rusted out beyond mm-hmm. saving. And so last Christmas, I was up in Wisconsin, and my parents were like, you know, you still got some trucks here, and you got to kind of, you know, think about getting them out of here. Yeah. I was like, all right, well, I have like a like a half ton parts truck that we had for the A120, and the A120 was sitting there, and it's just like it's beyond saving. All I had was some pretty decent parts, so I pulled the motor out. I was like, you know what, this motor's probably still good. My dad's like, well, I'm pretty sure it's stuck. So it was, it was stuck, but I was like, you know what? It's time to live up to the bare knuckle part of this thing. So I just popped the head off. I unstuck the motor, just popped the head back on and man, it, I ran it all the way across the country, man. It's fine. <laughs> that's, 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 that's an international for you, man. Those international right. sixes, you can't kill them. So, so you brought all this stuff from Northern, from Grass Valley back to Austin rebuilt it all right so the, the axles yeah. the transfer the axles case. so the uh the axles were in really tough shape mm-hmm. uh the differentials were all pretty great but like mm-hmm. the wheel ends of everything was i mean it was you could tell this truck had worked its ass off mm-hmm. and you know like and that's pretty common with 50s four-wheel drives because they were like treated like tractors most of the time you know, they were just purpose-built built vehicles. Exactly. They, they weren't yeah. like, it's like, we, like we have talking about, drives. We, we just drive about, them around every day, you know? <laughs> you and I were talking about, like, you know, collectors and cork sniffers before yeah. we started. And, like, that's the craziest thing to me about internationals is that, the, like, this interest that's happened in the last, like, five years. And it, it's great for all the shops and people who build them. But, like, I don't really see myself as one of those. Like, I mean, before 2020, I wasn't even really public. Like nobody, like I didn't, you know, talk about internationals, you know, it's like, I, I did my job like playing guitar and like on the side with all my spare time, I'd be hunting down parts and, you know, like trucks working on stuff. And it, until like in 2020, I started bare knuckle binder because, you know, COVID happened and I was like bored to death. It's like, man, I'm yeah. just going to start making how to videos on YouTube because I'd seen like in the forties, I, the the 40s trucks had split windshields Mm -hmm. and there's a right way to rebuild them and almost nobody does it and so i you know being on facebook pages for these trucks you just always see the dude like i got this truck and i'm gonna just silicone this split windshield together it's like no don't do that don't do that so you're like i'm gonna hop up on my soapbox and i'm gonna teach you all how to rebuild Exactly. So, like my <laughs> my first uh, my first um, my first video was how to rebuild one of these windshields. Yeah. And that I mean, like, whenever anybody would ask about it on Facebook, like I'd kind of hover over Facebook groups and be like, "All right, someone's asking about, just drop a link for the video." So I don't have to write it out every time. Yeah. You know, it's like, and you can see me doing it. And so, after a while, I started seeing people dropping my links before I even saw. Like people asking wow. questions about stuff. I was like, well, that's pretty cool. So there's at least the need for this stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so, I, I made the Instagram as a way to promote the YouTube and then the Instagram just surpassed the YouTube like crazy. So that's super cool. So you have now you're back in Austin. You've rebuilt the axles, the differential, the transfer case, the, the transfer cases, mm-hmm. the transfer case. You have a donor motor. And a donor transmission from somewhere, yeah. right? Yeah. So the, the, the car think, is in Grass Valley. The truck's in Grass Valley yeah. at this point. Yeah. So you have to get all this stuff from Austin to Grass Valley. Man, how does that I, happen? I'll tell you. It's how I transfer parts and stuff around the country. 
is thank God I have a band van and trailer. <laughs> uh, and actually, like, as we're talking right now, tomorrow morning, I fly to Reno to go get my van. Because, like, I, I, I ran out of time. I was going to drive it back in between the big trip. But it's, I had to stash it afterwards. It's like, just stash it up there in Reno. So I have to go get it tomorrow. But Gotcha. So you get all this stuff in the van, back up to Grass Valley. And now you just have a literally a body, a frame, and all the pieces of the powertrain in the back of a van. How does that all come together? Man, it was... Man, it's hard to describe doing this stuff mostly by yourself. Like mm -hmm. Eddie was from Grass Valley, the guy I was talking about, he came up and he helped me quite a bit with like heavy lifting with axles and stuff. But I mean, just like trying to organize your thoughts as to attack this thing. And like, you're outside, you're, you know, you're just out in the woods, kind of in the grass, you know, um, it was basically. I, I just I had, have this vision of like tweakers running around, like hiding behind. Uh, well, this one, I, I mean, it was a it was a different scene this time. I wasn't in like the junkyard per se. I was just like in this clearing on the edge of the woods by a bunch of old junk. And I mean, I mean, I was really secluded back there by myself. And there was a lot of raccoons that would pass through. There was a lot of random stray cats and a lot of deer so like i had a lot of company you know mm -hmm. like i worked through the night like most nights uh there was one stretch actually right before uh the sierra rally that was in grass valley and i was trying to get the truck roadworthy so i could drive down for that but i remember working like oh the sun went down and like working you know and i had like some milwaukee floodlights and it's like oh the sun's back up again yeah then you'll know, keep working like well, goddamn, the sun's down. Like, and it came up again. I was like, man, I, I needed some, I need to get some sleep. You know, like, but it was a, it was a, a crazy situation. What we ended up doing, if I can remember it right, because I'm still editing the YouTube videos, um, but got the rear axle on first. Uh, then with a the Coleman axle, I realized that I had to actually have to build it onto the truck instead of mm -hmm. building it all together because that Coleman axle's, weighs as much as the motor mm -hmm. uh, and i had to build the coleman axle onto the truck as it sat uh which was kind of sketchy because you know they had to get the coleman conversion they have to lift the frame like mm -hmm. basically a frame lift you know and yeah and which in the 50s it's a lot different than it is now it's it was like six inch structural c channel welded to the bottom of the frame and they just <laughs> bring mounts down and so um, and my point is like they, we had to jack this truck up really high, you know, and, and like, and you be know, under it. Yeah. And a three quarter ton international is not a light truck at all. Oh, oh. So this is an after uh, school special right here. The, yeah. This is, like, <laughs> this is how Jimmy died, you know, like, yeah. no, it was a, it was wild. So I, I got the axles on, I got the tires on. And then uh, I had made a jig for the um, transfer case. It was like a dolly because a, a Timken T32 is like kind of like a egg shaped kind of thing. You know, no transfer cases wieldly, you know, like it's not easy to lift. Yeah. So I made it and I made like a little adapter that would go right on a Harbor Freight transmission jack. You know, I was able to roll it right under the truck, put the Milwaukee impact on it and just like shot it straight up into position underneath the truck. So pretty proud of that one but um once we got all that together then uh the guy the grandson of the guy that you know the guy i've been dealing with he had he was really helpful when i needed help and he brought in like this industrial skid steer and that's how we put the motor in right where it cool. sat super and cool. and super sketchy but we got it done you know and like i'm sitting underneath this truck trying to aim the you know, the, the bell housing into the, and like, he can't hear me over the skid steer. I was like, this is, this is where it ends. You know, like, like there's so many times where it's like, Oh Jesus, how, how are we going to get this done? But I just need my hands. I play guitar for a living. Exactly. Just let my hands be okay. <laughs> exactly, man. It was, it was, uh, there's so many situations where it's like, just in the moment you have to be like, there's so many ways it could go wrong. Let's just make sure it doesn't, you know, yeah, how do we make sure it, it doesn't? Yeah. So, 
got together, you know, it was one of those things where when you, you can plan only so much and then with a 70 year old truck, you're like, all right, these are all the places where people have butchered this thing. And now I can either, I either have to make it right or work around it. So some of it I could make right. Some of it I had to work around, but you know, I got it together. I got it working. So. So from start to finish, from when you pulled up in the band van full of all the rebuilt parts mm-hmm. to you got it running and pulled it out from behind that dirt, that dirt pile. Mm-hmm. What was that time frame? How long? Uh, from the time I pulled up to the time I got it moving under its own power, I think it was a week. Oh, so it was pretty quick. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, a week and a half I had left. So I'd at what point it out. did did your wife come up and take this trip with you? So my wife, uh, let's see, I went, I left Austin on the 10th midday and I got up there the early morning of the 12th mm-hmm. because I, I got it into the area on the 11th, but I didn't want to bother him, you know, and come in the middle of the night and all that. So on the morning of the 12th is when I started, she flew into Reno on the 20th. And I met her there that night. Uh, when she got to Reno, I was in Grass Valley doing the DMV stuff. Okay, cool. You know, just to get a title. And then, you know, I just, I don't know if you've ever been to Grass Valley driving to Reno, but there, there's this long base hill. I'm very familiar with it, man. I find, you know, I find 20, Re- Reno going to, up to, to 80. Tahoe all the time. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, you get this truck and like, you're still shaking it down. And like, I was like, all right, well, like, why don't we take it on like a 20 mile grade, you know, it's like straight uphill. So it, it did well, but like, I found out, I figured out like some stuff I had, this, I was battling a dra- a brake drag the entire trip mm-hmm. where the brake would get tighter and tighter and tighter. And then like, it would start rubbing so much that it was generating heat, expanded the fluid, lock up the brakes. Yeah. And so once I got back, I started doing all this research and I, you know, trying to add up all the symptoms in my head. Like, what is this? What possibly could it be? And what it turns out is that it's a flaw in the tolerances of the master cylinder rebuild parts that it doesn't allow the check valve to bleed off the residual pressure. And so it just keeps building up. So the, the solution is to tear apart the master and drill a tiny hole in the side of the check valve and that'll equalize all your pressure. It's just it's amazing how these like little things just like it's it's the yeah. simplest thing and it just yeah. solves like weeks of like heartache. So Oh god, it was like we're driving up mountains and this thing is like fighting against itself. You're like I mean so it's a beast man, it did it. So Your your saint of a wife flies in and yeah. drives 2000 miles on this thing that you like you got running not even so, a week earlier that hasn't driven in what decades at this point. Right. right? No, it yeah. uh so I I know that it was parked in that spot. Uh we think it was parked there between 97 and 98. It had a, a plate <laughs> a plate with a 97 on it, which is ironic because that's the same year I bought my, my six by six, but it had a 97 on it. And a, in 1997, a wildfire went through that whole yard and burned up everything. Mm-hmm. And so anything that's there had to be there 97 or after. Okay. So, and I think this truck was a, a forestry truck too, because like one of the quarter panels, like the rear fender on the passenger side is singed. Like it has wow. like, like paint melted from a fire. Wow. So, but yeah, so my wife flew in, this trip was actually 2,500 miles because she and I, I was telling her about like the trip I took with a red truck. And I was like, you know, I went down this highway through the middle of Nevada and it was amazing. Like you got, we've got to see this and there's so many cool things around it. So highway 50, which is America's loneliest road, you know? Uh, so we charted out all this stuff that like, we could go see like ghost towns and all this crazy stuff. We didn't make it to one single ghost town just because the truck itself, you know, you always have to go at the truck's pace. Of course. Yeah. You know, it's like, this, this is, you know, the truck is the main character in the situation. 
And like, here we go. So we, we got to, we climbed up into, you know, mountains and stuff and saw some really cool things like petroglyphs and herds of wild horses. I don't know what they're called herds or horses, flocks. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, a school of horses. Yes. And uh, so, um, I mean, we, we went all over the place with this thing. And so, I mean, we, we wheeled it, you know, we went off road with it. It's like, Hey man, this is like the coolest four wheel driver made. Let's, let's stretch his legs. So we did get off the road and we got to see a bunch of cool stuff with it. That's super cool. And you made it back to Austin and yeah. uh, in one piece with all in your hands. Piece. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's interesting. I forgot to ask Dan Hayes this when, when we had him on the podcast and, and I noticed he always posts a, like, um, I think he, I think, I don't know if it's his girlfriend or his wife, but his significant other, his partner, whatever. You want to call her. Yeah, yeah. So he, he built her a, I think it's an 800, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Harvester 800. And she drives it all the time. Right. Uh, so, and I personally want to build my wife, uh, actually, a like a late 70s Cherokee Chief, the two-door, right? Okay. Because when I first met her, she had a, an, an, like a mid-90s XJ, two-door XJ. Okay. Um, have you ever built your, your wife a, a truck before? I have not. Uh, mm-hmm. My, but I did, like this year, I bought her a Scout 80. Ah, super cool. Uh, my, we, we've been talking about it for a while. Um, when I met my wife, my only car at, you know, like in Austin, uh, was a 49 international KB two, like a three quarter ton pickup truck. You know, like I still have it. Like it was like the getaway vehicle at our wedding and everything. Like, yeah. But, uh, so she loves that truck, but like, it's like, man, I really need to get you a scout. Um, and so we got her. I found a scout for a thousand dollars and like the way the market's been going, I was like, man, this might be the last thousand dollars scout, you know, you're you're never, it it could be roached, right? How you found a scout for a thousand bucks is insane. Right. And so I, I I hopped on it, you know, made it happen. Like some of the local IH community helped like chipped in like time and a trailer and stuff. And like, it was one of those situations like I have to go get this thing in the next six hours or else someone else is going to get it. Yeah. And this is a kind of scout that like, 15, 20 years ago was a hundred dollar scout. Yeah. You know, but like it's, it's not terrible, but it's, it's got its problems, but I'll be working through it. So. And you have but, it now you're putting it back together and it's. Yeah. Well, the Coleman put that thing on hold. The Coleman uh-huh. put everything on hold. Uh, so I think that scout's going to be like my winter project, I'll, but I'll probably be tearing it all down, like down to the frame. I was like, I think this will be my first like complete, frame off restoration you know complete make this thing absolutely eat off it clean you know so that's that's super cool well uh, maybe at some point we both build our wives uh, uh who are, <laughs> are are put up with our antics and <laughs> and craziness right they deserve they deserve trucks when we both build our wives we'll meet somewhere in the midwest uh, yeah there you go man. that's super cool man um but other than that uh are you going out on tour anytime soon? What do you got on uh, the schedule? Actually, this winter, um, I'm pretty close to home. Uh, I'm working on a new album right now, recording and writing and stuff right now. Like, mm-hmm. um, I, I played Austin City Limits actually the day before I left to go get, the, get started on the Coleman. And so it was like, I told my manager and everyone was like, you know, wait till I get back. I got to go do this crazy stuff that I always do apparently, you know, with old trucks. And once I get back, then we'll get started on everything. So I'm kind of shifting gears into, uh, back into the, the music business. But, um, like now that I've gone through this whole thing with COVID and the whole bare knuckle binder experiment, it's mm-hmm. like, kind of like, I man, this, this is not going to go away. Like this is something it's so real. Think, it's here to yeah. stay. Yeah. I mean, like before that point, I was definitely like international harvester anonymous junkie, you know, mm-hmm. just like laboring away in anonymity. Like, you know, I have like shelves and shelves of parts manuals and mm-hmm. company literature and stuff. And I just, you know, I just didn't figure that anybody related to me. You know what yeah. I mean? I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm probably way too much of a nerd about this stuff, but. You know, it's there's other people out there that are into it, you know. Of course, man. I mean, 
I, I thought I was just going to start a podcast and nobody was ever going to listen to it. And then next thing you know, it's the top 25 leisure automotive podcast uh, in the world on both uh, Apple and uh, and Spotify podcast platforms. That's right? awesome. How, how does this happen? I have no Man, idea. like I told you, like I, I'm not even a podcast guy. And like I saw you, you pop up. I was like, what? That's something I'd actually listen to. So. Hey, there's a lot of us out there, man, and I, I'm so thankful for everybody that does listen. We've talked about a bunch of a bunch of harvesters. What uh, harvesters do you have in your collection right now? Uh, right now, um, let's see. Like, so my daily driver most of the time has been the KB2, which is a two-wheel drive. But um, when I got back with the S160, I actually drove that thing pretty much everywhere I went, which is. Mm-hmm insane because it doesn't have a it has a bare frame on the back it's dualies it's like i mean it might as well be a rigid frame you know it's just it's so big it's like so that one i don't drive as much now because it gets it doesn't get super great gas mileage it gets better than you would think it does Mm -hmm. just because it has an inline six but um i have the kb2 i have the um s160 i have an s124 by four which is a uh, early 57. Um, I have the M five H six. We haven't even talked about the six by six that I bobbed it. So now what? it's a giant four wheel drive. It is. A, <laughs> it's like a eats power wagons for breakfast kind of thing. Is, is this the original one that you bought in high school mm-hmm. or a different one? Okay. The same so one. That, that ended up down in Austin at some point. It's not down in Austin. It's still my parents' <laughs> property in Wisconsin. So like okay. I, I go back and so, I mean, I spent most of my adult life on the road away from home. Didn't get to see my parents one day. We got back there. They're old, you know, like, oh my God, they're old. So I keep that truck up there because I try to go up there as much as I can and see them. And then I've got international sitting there that I can bomb around in. Oh, that's great, man. Weird out the town folk by driving it into town, you know, that, that one definitely gets the looks. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I have that, uh, I have, the Coleman. Uh, and I have, I like to say I have trucks in queue, like mm-hmm. trucks I have to go get, you know, yeah. um, the S160, I'm going to preempt one of your questions. You know, you ask like, you know, is there one that you regret selling or is there one yep. that you felt good about selling? Yep. That was my next question. S120 is the one I feel good about selling. Mm-hmm. I'm selling it to a friend of mine and it helped kind of fund part of the Coleman project. But we also, um, he's, he's Rusty Revivals on Instagram mm-hmm. and he has a lot of scouts international stuff. Super cool dude. But he has an old B120 four by four, it's 59. And that's going to be kind of the next big, like not big project, but it's a pretty good sized project getting this truck back. This truck has a lot of historical significance in Texas. So that'll be like the next like kind of road trip, even though I'm not driving it from a remote location but then i have man i don't even i don't even really want to like uh tease this but Mm -hmm. i'm going to like there's two 57 a140 4x4s they made 414 of them there's two of them a guy reached out to me on instagram they're in a coastal town of alaska that's (laughs) off the highway system no way and one is one is parts and one is complete. I mean, like they're both complete, but one's like in really rough shape. Uh-huh. So they both have flatbeds. This one has like a 40 foot bit gin pole off the front of it. So I got to cut that off. But like I have to fly up there. I have to get the one running. I have to part out the other one and, you know, chain it to the flatbed of the other one. And then I had to put the truck on a barge to Seattle. And then. When it gets drive to it to Seattle. Austin. Yeah, I got to drive to Austin. Dude, that is wild. I cannot wait for that. Uh, yeah, it's, that YouTube series. Like, that I, is have, I haven't even slept off the Coleman yet, man. Yeah. So that it might be 2024. I'm not sure yet, but no matter what, like I'm always get myself into something that's interesting. So that's fun, man. You you only live once, and and you have to enjoy yourself. Uh, and uh, yeah. that's the best part. You get to meet great people. That's the way I always look at this stuff, man. I come, you come across some really amazing people. And sometimes when you go look at cars, like you can't make a deal, like, but you met a new friend, man. And totally. You know, and it works. it's really like, it's kind of the same with like the whole doing the 
the bare knuckle binder thing during COVID. Like it's amazing what you can find when you put yourself out there. Yeah, man. You know, it's just like, just, you know, you don't always get what you want, but like, or what you think you want, but like if you put yourself out there and make yourself available, like your people will find you, you know, it's like, it's, it's pretty wild, man. So it is wild. Dude. The way that I mean, like works. we're sitting here having this conversation. Like if I hadn't done that, we never. Oh, definitely it. not, man. I'm, I'm living, I live in coastal New Jersey and you're in Austin, Texas, man. We're sitting right? here having this conversation on a podcast, which is. You said you come here once a year. I never would have met you anyway. Exactly. Know? Right. There you go. But hey, hey, I got to go back to your question though. Like the, the regret one. Uh, the reg- I, so- like. You're, I love it how you preempt me. You're like, this is the one I'm, I, I'm no, gonna well, get see, here's you know? the thing. Like, this is like one of the things that like, this is like, this truck is, I, I never owned this truck. Uh-huh. This is the truck I missed. So then this, how do you regret getting rid of it if you didn't know? No, no, no. Well, like, see, I mean, I've, I've only sold two trucks. Uh-huh. Really? Um, I had a KB2 panel truck that I'd got as payment for a private party one time. They're like, well, so you like great. older nationals, right? You want this? I'm like, yeah, I guess I do. No, like, it's super cool. But I had it. It had, like, you could see some Navy lettering on the door, mm-hmm. like a Department of the Navy, whatever. And uh, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then I ended up selling it because, like, I hadn't done anything with it. Like, I wanted, I needed some money to do something on the six by six. And mm-hmm. I ended up taking it to the car wash. And and like, I don't regret selling this at all. So this is not part of that. But I have to tell you this. Like, I went in a car wash and I pressure washed it for the first time. And it had this thick coat of orange paint on it. And this orange paint started coming off. And there was all this hand-lettered uh, 1950s water. Like, it was a plumber's truck. And no he had crazy ornate sign, like billboards on the side of it. Like, rustless water heaters and stuff. Like. I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad I I'm, already have this thing half sold so that I can't just renege on this thing and just like, I yeah. want to keep this, you know, but sorry. So the truck that I absolutely regret, what I regret about it is that I wasn't on the stick. I, like I wasn't paying attention at the time. Uh, so in 2017, an S144x4 listed on eBay and it was, I mean, it pops up in, in Google searches. If you look for S one forty four by four, you know, mm-hmm. and it's somebody had changed it to a small block Chevy. Like I said, I don't care. I've got, I've got motors stashed away. Like I can put it back to original, but I mean, it was the factory S one forty four by four with a nine foot pickup bed. And I mean, it was just like, to me, I was like, this is the ultimate international like, this is like my dream truck, man. And I was on the road at the time. I was like so deep in my career. I wasn't even looking for trucks. And I found out about it like a year and a half later. Oh. And so when I, when I went to California uh, to get the S160, that was the truck that was the inspiration. That's why I wanted one of those so bad. Gotcha. And the crazy thing about the S160 is that it was ordered special from International with a short wheelbase that it wasn't offered in. And a nine foot pickup bed will bolt right onto it. So I've got I've got pictures on my Instagram of me mocking it up with a nine foot bed and it looks totally awesome, but it's not that S144 by four. So do you know where the S140 went? I, I don't. Uh I've posted about it several times on my Instagram and like Nothing I don't comes know. Back. I, well, I don't know if I'm doing more bad than good. You know, like, I don't know if I'm sending people out there looking for it because they, you know. So I was kind of thinking like, man, if I could find that thing, like I've had so many people reach out and try to buy the S160 from me at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I put like 1120 tires on it. It looks so badass. Yeah. And like, you know, I'm not done with it yet. Like I'm not, I haven't completed the project getting a knife foot bed on it. I was thinking, like, man, like that was like probably the only way I'd probably entertain selling that truck is to get that S140 if I could find it. But I don't know where it went. I can't, I haven't been able to find it. No one's reached out to me. But the crazy part about it is that I've had so many people reach out to me, come out of the woodwork and be like, oh, you got this S160. I've got this S140. I've got this A140. I've got this S1. You know, it's that I never would have met. And I, I realized a few months ago, I think it was probably like July. 
And my buddy, Jeff Fowler, I was talking to him. I was like, I just realized that I'm going to find this S140 one day through Instagram. Like somebody's going to reach out to me. It's either that or you're going to be on the road with the band and you're like going to be driving the van and you're going to look <laughs> over to your left and be like, that's it. There that's it is. It. There it is, man. Like, yeah. But, you know, it's meant to be, It'll it, the worlds will collide and eventually yeah, you'll come across. It's just the way it is, man. So, yeah, man. I just... That's it's man. I'll 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 text, I'll DM you some pictures of it. Yeah, man. Uh, on Instagram, man. It's it's just a. Uh, it hurts. It hurts to look at, but it's so cool. That's awesome. Well, as we kind of get into the end, uh, uh, is there anything else you collect? Like you know, all of us uh, crazy classic four wheel drive and car collectors, truck collectors. We always have something random. Right. So, I mean, I'm in, I'm in denial about Mm -hmm. being a a vehicle collector anyway. I'm like, Oh, I don't, I'm not a collector, you know, it's like all my stuff looks like (laughs) shit, you know, like, but, uh, you know, I, I have like vintage guitars, you know, just because of my job. I have Mm -hmm. like, I used to kind of collect vintage wah pedals and stuff, but I, I kind of shy away from thinking that I'm a collector because like, I don't have anything that I don't use. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm like, I very much am the idea of like, I don't have toys. I have tools. Mm-hmm. That's cool. You know? um, but if I was to collect anything, uh, if I was to really get into collecting anything, I'd probably end up collecting just more dogs. Yeah. Cause I think I just, I get like some land and have a room for them all to run around and stuff. But Dude, I am obs- absolutely obsessed with my dog. Also. Yeah, I have a, they're I have the a best. F- they're absolutely the best. Like my wife and I don't have kids and we have a four and a half year old French bulldog named Carl. <laughs> and he is Carl. just like, his name's Carl. Like, you know, he's just like everything to us and always yeah. will be. And the fact that like in, in our, in our world, he's omnipotent and like, yeah. he will live forever. Right. Like there's, it, there's no two, question. We have two black lab mixes, BB King and Lucille. And like they're just, the, the, their personalities are huge. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, and like riding around with them in the trucks, it's like there's nothing better than old trucks and dogs. I mean, like, come on. It's funny. My, uh, we did an interview, which actually hasn't come up uh, yet with the, it, it hasn't posted yet, but with the 4B Exchange guys um, who are doing some oh, cool. really cool stuff. Yeah. And uh, you're actually, your, your episode is going to come up before theirs. Uh, so a little teaser out there. Right and, on. Uh, but they asked me, like, what is Carl's favorite? Uh, car in my collection or truck in my collection and uh the answer is every single truck has no matter what has a dog seat belt built into it and <laughs> every single because he just loves rolling around in, in in my car in my trucks in my collection man so i, uh, I had to say that bb's favorite truck is the kb2 because it's the lowest because he's like he's not like a really big dog and like getting him up into like that's from 60 and stuff. Like I have to, you know, he's getting older. He's like 11, yeah. like pick him up and put him on the seats and stuff. And, but yeah, man, that this, I don't know. I, they're they're the best, man. Dogs yeah. are the best. It's, it's, uh, it's cool. That, I guess, like, like you said, you collect guitars, but like, that's a tool for you. You know, that, yeah. that's part of your profession. Uh, I don't know if you listened to the Paolo Damasa interview. Um, he's the global FSJ, GBSJ yeah. collector. And he actually, he collects guitars too. And he has a guitar for every one, every car in his collection. Oh, really? up. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Definitely. That's wild, man. So, I, I listened to that one, but I think I was busy like rebuilding something, and like I was between hammer hits, I was listening to it. So yeah, no, it was, it was some, a good one, some, though, man. Like I, I really, I really like that metals like like oh, Char- Charlie Pitcher. Yeah, man, that was a cool interview. Yeah, Charlie Pitcher's a uh, an absolutely amazing fabricator builder. He's young. He's in his like twenties. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. So and I follow dude, him on Instagram and like. Every time I want to, uh, like, half the time I want to comment on his stories and his comments on his stories turned off. It's like, okay, well, we'll, we'll keep it keep, formal. We'll keep it formal. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a great guy. And, uh, you know, the only reason I, I was able to connect with him is he built my cousin's truck. Uh, yeah, you're talking so, about that, right? Yeah, my cousin is a, is a pretty famous chef in, in New York City, and, and he built this truck. And actually, Charlie was, like, one of the, one of the first like big builds he ever did was my cousin's truck, uh, which right. actually is for sale right now. Yeah, for, I heard about that for like 129 so. grand. It's it's which is like Charlie couldn't even build it for 
anywhere close to that now. So, right. Uh, but hey, man, um, I dude, I got to tell you as we wrap up here, I can't thank you enough, Eric. Like, dude, what a great interview! I'm so glad uh, that we had you on the Classic Four by Four podcast. Uh, oh man, it's my pleasure, dude. Everybody out there, if you don't follow uh, Eric on Instagram or YouTube, follow him at Bare Knuckle Binder, uh, and most importantly, uh, down however you listen to music, uh, download uh, Eric Tessmer and his band. Uh, yeah, man, I'll say that. Uh bare knuckle binder happened like that whole like the instagram the youtube all that stuff happened because i released a single on the day that covid shut the world down so check out eric tesmer and nancy wilson from heart the song is uh policy of truth it's a depeche mode cover check it out awesome man we'll definitely uh definitely gonna listen to it as soon as we uh sign off here but eric thanks a lot man uh, and i hope to cross paths with you soon all right man i'll talk to you soon yeah thanks a lot brother